The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew. Glory, Glory to you, Lord Christ. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle him in his words. And they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully, and you do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him the denarius. And Jesus said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Therefore render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And when they heard it, they marveled, and they left him and went away. The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please, Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in my sight, the Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. Today, we encounter Jesus' famous line, Therefore, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that belong to Contrary to what we may have been told or, that, or what we may want to think of this, this is not some, about some Western idea about the separation of church and state or some Western idea about the government as the agent of God's sovereign will. This isn't even really about paying taxes, although it is interesting that I got my property tax bill this week while preparing for the sermon, and I resignedly told myself, I guess I have to render to Caesar what is Caesar's. No, this passage is about idolatry. The Pharisees and the Herodians, unlikely allies, united only in their opposition to Jesus, come together to entrap Jesus with a clever question. And after some insincere praise, they ask whether it is lawful to pay taxes to Caesar. If Jesus answers yes, he will lose the support of the people who hate Rome. If he answers no, will be dangerously close to inciting rebellion. And as always, Jesus sees into their heart and into the heart of their question as he responds. Show me this coin that you so desire to keep. Whose image and inscription is on it? As Jesus stands in the courts of the temple, this, this question, whose image? Whose image hearkens to the language of the Torah? As Israel stands before God on the mountain of Sinai, God commands, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them. For I, the Lord your God, am the jealous God. Here it echoes even earlier. So we have a revelation into the inner working of the eternal trinity in the days of creation. Let us make man in our own image. After our likeness, let us make him male and female. But this is 
some object of worship or some statue in a pagan temple. This is, this is just a coin. Jesus continues. What is the inscription? What does this coin say on it? It's likely that the coin that they had presented to him had an image of Tiberius Caesar and an inscription that read, Tiberius Augustus Caesar, son of the divine Augustus, son of the god Augustus, high priest, for since the days of Augustus, the emperor had assumed the title of high priest of the imperial cult. Oh, the insidious ways that false gods insert themselves into our lives. Now our penchant for idolatry isn't new. No sooner had Israel heard the command of the Lord from the mountain than they called Aaron and compelled him. Make us gods who shall go before us. And Aaron fashioned a calf out of the gold that the people had brought out of Egypt and declared, These are your gods, O Israel. These, this golden calf brought you out of the land of Egypt. We read throughout the story of Israel the way that people turned aside from God to worship idols. We hear today from the prophet Malachi about the struggle with idolatry as the people return from exile. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. He has described the way that Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord and married the daughter of a foreign god. We see this then manifest as the people withhold themselves and their offerings from God. Jesus calls us to turn from our idolatry and render to God what is God's. As the psalmist commands us, ascribe unto the Lord, O you families of the peoples, ascribe unto the Lord worship and power, ascribe unto the Lord the honor due his name, bring offerings and come to his courts. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness, let the whole earth stand in awe of him. Friends, this is the work of the gospel. This turning from idolatry to, to, to true worship. This is what Paul sees in the church of the Thessalonians as the gospel comes not only in word, but in power in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. And they turn from the idols that they have worshipped to serve the living and true God. And they become imitators of the Lord. They become the likeness and image of Christ to one another and to those around them. Now, now we're going to get personal. We're going to talk about me and we're going to talk about you. What does the Lord say today to the people who are gathered here in his name? Whose image and likeness is imprinted on you? What inscription do you bear? If you want a little self-check on idolatry in your life, Pull out your calendar and your checkbook. Where are you ascribing honor and glory with your time and with your money? Ouch. This is why the Sabbath and the tithe are foundational spiritual practices that train us to identify and resist the insidious idolatry that can creep into our lives. We don't keep Sabbath or give our tithe because God needs it, but because we need it. God says, if I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. The cattle of a thousand hills are mine. I don't need what you give.
setting aside a day during the week to rest and delight in the Lord prevents us from the idolatry of self-sufficiency, the same idolatrous thought that we see on the plain of Shinar as the people try to build a tower so that they can make a name for ourselves. In the same way, the tithe is not about funding the church. Although God uses the tithe to fund the ministry of the church, the tithe is not about funding the church. The tithe, like the Sabbath, is about receiving all that we have as being from God and making space in our lives for God to be enough. When we're too busy to keep Sabbath, we're so financially preoccupied that we cannot even imagine a tithe. We do indeed rob God. We rob God of his sovereignty in our lives. We rob God of the opportunity to bless us. We rob God by refusing to accept his love and his provision. We refuse the inscription of beloved. We refuse the image of Christ. And instead we cling to this idolatrous image of self and the distressing inscription, not in our idolatry, we live in the anger, and fear, and selfishness of the world, and we refuse the love and peace and abundance of community that is the kingdom of God. So I ask you again, whose image and likeness is imprinted on you? What inscription do you bear? If you're like me, this question is a call to Call to turn away from idols to serve the living and true God. And if you're like me, there's some resistance bubbling up, some excuses running through your mind, running through my mind. Where is your resistance? Your resistance to Sabbath, your resistance to the tithe, your resistance to worship. What will you do? Turn away like the Pharisees and the Herodians. Turn away and go about finding ways to make Jesus smaller. Will you close your eyes and stop your ears and harden your hearts? Will you let the salvation of God open your eyes to see and your ears to hear? Will you let the Holy Spirit turn your heart toward God that we may? we come to this table? Will we come and once again be inscribed with the words, Beloved of God? Will we be sent into the world as imitators of Christ, bearing the image and likeness of God in our own flesh? Will we truly become who we have always been, as the ones created and formed to bear the divine image? My prayer today that we will indeed live in the most glorious name.